Sports.com. It is Tuesday, the 5th of September. It's the Feast of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Uh, Let's pray one of her favorite prayers, which is John Henry Newman's fragrance prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dear Jesus, help me to spread your fragrance everywhere I go. Flood my soul with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that my life may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with may feel your presence in my soul. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Stay with me and then I shall begin to shine as you shine, so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you the way you love best, by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by my example, by the catching force of the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love my heart bears for you. Amen. Mother Teresa, pray for us. And while we're at it, St. John Henry Newman, pray for us as well. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Hope you had a great Labor Day. We're coming back in on a Tuesday, ready to get you back on track. Father Boniface Hicks will have some thoughts on Marian prayer and the rosary for us. We've been going through his book, Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus will discuss teaching and evangelization. We'll dig more into the life and witness of Mother Teresa with Danielle Bean and how she shows us uh, how to live holiness in the daily grind. And then Dr. John Cutterback from Christendom College will talk about ending summer intentionally. So stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis is back in Rome today after a long weekend in Mongolia. The Holy Father paid his customary visit yesterday to pray in Thanksgiving before the icon of the Salus Papali Romani in the Basilica of St. Mary Major upon his return home. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov has more. He went there to offer his closeness to the small and lively community of Catholics, numbering less than 1,500 in the whole country. More than 90% of them live in the capital. It is such an intimate group that they were all more or less able to gather together at the events, including the first papal mass ever in the country, and even all together in one photo op with Pope Francis. Monday, the Pope's apostolic journey marking his 43rd apostolic visit abroad and his 61st country visited as Pope drew to an end. The final event of his visit to Mongolia was a stop at the House of Mercy, a church-run clinic for the poor and refuge for victims of domestic violence and homeless people. The Pope inaugurated and blessed the charitable work and expressed his gratitude to the Church of Mongolia for showing such great care and concern for people facing economic difficulty and marginalization. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Before leaving Mongolia, Pope Francis said it's incumbent on religious leaders to choose fraternity over fundamentalism. The Holy Father led an interfaith meeting Sunday morning in Mongolia, sharing the stage with representatives from a dozen other faiths. The Pope said, 
We are called to testify to the teachings we profess by the way we act. We must not contradict them and thus become a cause of scandal. Those joining Pope Francis on stage included representatives from the Russian Orthodox Church, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Shintoism, Mormonism, and Evangelicalism. Here in the United States, a heat wave is expected to bring 100-degree temperatures to tens of millions this week. The eastern and central U.S. were sizzled over the holiday weekend, with some cities seeing record highs. It's likely to be between the lower and high 90s in places today like Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., New York City, and Chicago. Forecasters say the heat will ease in the Midwest by Wednesday and move into the southern plains and the south later in the week. Congress is set to return to Washington today after its summer recess. Mark Mayfield reports. There are a number of issues on the agenda, including a potential government shutdown looming in the coming weeks. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell could address his health situation this week after another freezing moment. Last week, the 81-year-old suddenly stopped speaking at a press event in Kentucky where an aide had to step in. A similar freeze moment also happened back in July. I'm Mark Mayfield. Russian President Vladimir Putin plans to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un this month. That according to multiple reports which cite the U.S. and allied officials. According to the officials, the leaders will meet on the east coast of Russia to discuss the possibility of North Korea providing weapons for Russia's ongoing war with Ukraine. Last week, the White House said Putin and Kim Jong-un have exchanged letters and arms negotiations between the two countries were advancing. And too much screen time is being linked to developmental delays in children. That according to a new study published in the journal JAMA Pediatrics. Researchers looked at data from 7,000 kids and found that two or more hours of screen time increased the likelihood of developmental delays, especially in problem solving and communication. One-year-olds were 61% more likely to have delayed communication skills at age two when they spent more than two hours in front of TVs or cell phones compared to kids who spent less than one hour in front of screens a day. The risk went up nearly five times for children who had more than four hours of screen time. Well, yeah, so, if you're staring at a screen in the eye. So, I mean, well, that's there's that. the extent of communication. So I don't know if you have this conversation in your house. With my so, one-year-old? Well, I have, I mean, I, I have it to this day. I'm sure that as you go along the list, you know, there are, there are other studies to be done. Mm-hmm. We were talking to my son yesterday. I was like, I don't want you watching that. You know, he's like, what do you mean? Like, can I watch something else? I'm like, no. He's like, well, what's the issue with it? Well, it's not even necessarily an issue with the show that you're watching. It's just, the fact that you're watching. It's just like anything. Go run this. Go dig in the dirt. Go like exactly. smash your bug. Go like get in a bike wreck. Yeah. I don't like... care. Just do do something dirty. Oh, my gosh. You know what Freddie did over the weekend? Got in a bike wreck? Yes. Well, a scooter wreck. A scooter into, wreck? Into the grill. He burned his okay. fingers. Oh, oh, like the charcoal grill. I thought you meant like the grill of your car. No. Well, he does that all the time. That doesn't yeah. even phase him. Wow. No. We used to put He's... basketball marks all over my parents' van. Yeah. Now they just, now they just crash into now they the just front crash of the car. Bikes. Yeah, in the driveway. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks. He, along with Father Thomas Acklin, wrote a book called 
uh, personal prayer, a guide to receiving the Father's love. And today we talk about Mary in prayer. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. So this is a tricky one, and uh, I could just default to, and maybe you could default to, too, the fact that we didn't grow up Catholic, and the Marian prayer thing can be a little weird for us, but I want to zero in on Catholics who've been praying Marian prayers their whole life, but aren't sure necessarily exactly what they're doing, especially when they're doing them in a repetitious prayer like the rosary. So what, first of all, why is it that we're involving Mary in our prayer in the first place? Yeah, I, I think a, a nice Catholic intuition, and it's certainly the, the wisdom of God, is is more relationships is better. I, a lot of times there's a, there's a kind of complaint or an excuse or something like, well, why can't I just go directly to God or directly to Jesus? Well, it's like, well, why have any relationships at all? I mean, why are we having a conversation about this? Why are you even asking me? Why don't you just go directly to Jesus? Obviously, we're we're mediating God to each other all the time. None of us came to know Him except through somebody else, and in fact, through a lot of somebody else's, not only in the words that were exchanged, but in the very experience of love being raised by uh, parents who took care of us and being looked after by other people who are really sharing God's love with us, ultimately. We sometimes think of it that way more than others. It's more explicit. But uh, in any event, we're, more relationships is always better. And so uh, also in terms of the communion of saints, just because people have died doesn't mean that we're suddenly the relationship is, is gone. It's changed, not ended. And so uh, what relationships would we have that would help us to grow closer to God and, and really closer to each other? Well, the Mother of God is, uh, is a really important one, and, and Mary actually sits in a place uh, of uh, a very central place, being herself the type and figure of the Church, uh, and she's really the face of the Church, we could say, and, and she's so closely united with Jesus, because he chose her as his own mother and loved her more than all of us do. And so loving her uh, really makes a difference. And, and one of the ways to love her, then, is to come back to your uh, question. Your point is, uh, through the rosary or through some other Marian devotion, to put some words to it, to uh, how, we, how we can love her and know her. You know, I can't help but think, as we, you know, here at the beginning of September— celebrate the feast of Mother Teresa and how Mother Teresa, one of her favorite prayers was John Henry Newman's fragrance prayer, uh, which I use from time to time here on the show. And uh, at the end of that prayer, uh, John Henry Newman writes, let me praise you the way you love best by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by my words, but by my example, by the catching force of the sympathetic influence of what I do. The evident fullness of the love my heart bears to you. In many ways, like that sentiment is perfectly captured in Mary. So when you meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, you are, I mean, essentially Mary is preaching to us without preaching. It's, it's kind of like asking her to sort of show you, like to kind of give you a window into these moments of her relationship. I mean, it's not like you're learning like an apologetics argument for Mary. It's, it's more like experiencing that, that relationship. And I think that's something that we can get because we do that with our, with our family members. Well, we don't, 
we don't know this relative of ours personally who passed on, but we know people who did know him. Like, give us a sense of who they were. You know, I mean, there is a sense mm. that you get that in the rosary. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. I, and not even just in an informational uh, sense like we might about a relative who died, but uh, we also see the love actually forms us. Love uh, transforms us. And so the way that Mary herself is formed, to know her is to know Jesus. We, we, we come to know somebody who would choose this person as a mother, who would love this person in this way. We, we come to know uh, Jesus just through the, the very way that Mary has been formed by, by his love for her and the way that, that she also loved him. And then certainly explicitly, it's, it was uh, John Paul II's theme after dedicating the third millennium to uh, contemplating the face of Christ. He then very quickly had a year of the rosary, in which we contemplated the, the, the face of Christ through Mary. We looked at his face through her eyes and saw his mysteries through her eyes and contemplated them through her heart. So it really brings us more deeply into all of those beautiful truths and mysteries of our faith. Well, there are probably lots and lots of Catholics who've prayed more rosaries than it is humanly possible to count. Uh, and they do have a love for the Blessed Mother, but they sometimes perhaps have trouble sort of making that sort of mental or spiritual transition when they're praying these decades to where they can really sort of enter into that relationship with that mystery. Maybe they're too focused on keeping count, <laughs> right, or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because you're a uh, professional prayer for a living, uh, I think that's in your job description. I mean, do you have any <laughs> maybe advice for people who are sort of stuck in that mode or get stuck in that mode from time to time? Yeah, and I... I... As you also do, Matt, I, of course, value the just praying the rosary. Everything doesn't have to be so heady. Exactly. And there's a lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot of value in just, you know, being present, saying the prayers, and, and it forms us uh, so that at the end of our lives, maybe the only thing left in us is the Hail Mary. Great, that's fine, <laughs> as we're in a, in a hospital bed or something else. But, um, but, yeah, just being, I think just being mindful of it and maybe even thinking of it in those terms. Uh, as we're meditating, obviously focusing our attention on the mystery can be really helpful. Probably one simple suggestion, announce the mystery, you know, mentally even, and then leave 10 seconds, 15 seconds to think about it. Um, or a, a, an additional suggestion, have a, a picture of that mystery to look at and look at it. Don't just plow into the next Our Father, but look at it for 10 or 15 seconds. It doesn't take too much to just interrupt the rosary to add a little bit more awareness, a little bit more intentionality to it. Oh, I don't know, Father. I mean, 15 seconds, that's a, that's a big ask, a very big ask. <laughs> you know, we're very, we're very busy people. 15 seconds is just not possible in this day and age. No, that's a great suggestion. And the art, man, the art really helped me when I first got started with the rosary. Uh, because your mind can be all over the place, but if your eyes stay in one place, it really helps. So, Father Boniface, really practical, good stuff this morning. We've got your book, Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Father Boniface Hicks. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. Thank you. All right, let's check on weather for the nation as we come off the Labor Day holiday. Looks like we've got the upper Midwest with some thunderstorm potential. 
uh, particularly in southern Minnesota, northern Iowa, and western Wisconsin. Strong thunderstorms look to also take place within that same cold front in the mid-Mississippi to lower Mississippi, I'm sorry, lower Missouri valleys. Too many M's and S's in my script here this morning. Areas affected by the cold front this afternoon will initially start hot. Temps expected to climb up into the low 80s to uh, sometimes upper 90s, depending on where you are in that bubble. After that cold front comes through, a dramatic cool down will take effect. Areas of high pressure in the rest of the U.S., unseasonably hot temperatures, again the case in the mid-Atlantic and northeast. Some monthly records could be broken. Dry weather will also be at play in the southeast states, temps climbing up there into the 90s. Back with headlines right after this, it's 16 minutes past the hour. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. I used to wonder if God really cared, why it mattered what church I went to, or why I even bothered with faith at all. Then I started praying more often and going to church. What happened? My relationships got stronger, and I felt a peace that I never had before. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. 18 pass. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis is back in Rome after a long weekend in Mongolia. While on his flight back to Rome, the Pope answered a question from a journalist about his exhortation to Chinese Catholics to be good Christians and good citizens. And heat wave is expected to bring 100 degree temperatures to tens of millions this week. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I saw a lot of people who were asking about you <laughs> this weekend. I went Are you to Appaloosa make me Fest. Jealous. Appaloosa Fest in yes. Front Royal, Virginia. I still have never set foot on the college campus of Christendom. Right. Um, but you cool were place. like you were like right there. But we were we were in the in the orbit of it. And I did see Dr. John Cutterback, nice. who is gonna be on later this hour. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was outside the kids tent. Uh, where the band <laughs> Cake for Dinner was performing. Nice. Uh, which Cake for Dinner is well, the kiddish it's, it's version, the kid version of, of Scythian. Scythian. 
Um, but Dr. Cutterback was back there, and I went over and introduced myself to him, and, and I had to explain who I was for a second because I realized I don't ever do his radio interviews I know. Here. I take them all. He only it's ever true. talks to you. I know. So well, you know, it's like I see him on Zoom all the time with the Institute of Catholic Culture. And by the way, so it's lots like, of lots of ICC people there. Oh, I believe it. I mean, that's their that's their hangout. The Hot Hadros Royal say Virginia. hello. By the way, I saw Catherine How Hadro are the and Hadros? Matt. They seem to be doing very well, and uh, of course, she does that purposeful lab podcast yes. with Dr. Dan Keebler. Mm-hmm. Which is all kind of cool sciencey stuff. Nice. Um, yes, all kinds of cool people down there. I got to get there. I really wish we could have gone. If Will hadn't had to work on next Labor Day, year. yeah. So next year he won't have to work on Labor Day. We'll so do like hopefully... a like a campsite next to one another or something. Oh, that would be neat. No need to broadcast from there. No. Can't get a signal anyway. That'd be hard. Just so you know. <laughs> it's twenty-one minutes past the hour. to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. A Marian prayer from the Celtic tradition. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Queen of Grace, Mother of Mercy, Hail Mary in manner unsurpassing, font of our health, source of our joy. To thee we, night and day, erring children of Adam and Eve, lift our voice in supplication, in groans and grief and tears. Bestow upon us, thou root of gladness, since thou art the cup of generous graces, the faith of John and Peter and Paul, with the wings of Gabriel on the heights of the clouds. Vouchsafe to us, thou golden branch, a mansion in the realm of peace. Rest from the perils and stress of waves, beneath the shade of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. For Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, I'm Father Benedict O'Kinsella. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us. Hope you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Marlon De La Torre is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's Senior Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. Good morning, Annie. Go Bucks. I'm feeling good about the season. 
I know. So far, so it was it slow. Was, it was slow start. slow start, but it's it always right. is, it seems. so. It is. We play everything out. Exactly. So we'll, we'll be all right. Exactly. We're <laughs> feeling good. Well, that's not what we're going to be talking about today, right. but of course I had to bring it up. Mm-hmm. So, Marlon, you are in charge of the Department of Evangelization. So mm-hmm. why would you concern yourself with Catholic schools in your diocese? I mean, at least beyond the religion teachers. Oh, gosh. You know, it, 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 it very intimately intertwines. Every every particular Catholic school, every teacher, regardless of, uh, of their discipline, has an opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ crucified. And so even in my role uh, and the way Bishop Fernandez has asked me and tasked me to uh, really uh, develop this department and, and reconstitute it in a way is, is to assist the teacher and to assist uh, the, uh, the Catholic educator in some way to see his or her role as invaluable to a student's opportunity to grow with our Lord. And so whether it be math, science, uh, history, you name it, AP, biology, um, there's always an opportunity for a child to enter into the presence of our Lord. And really, um, anything a child learns within the school concept, they also learn from the mannerisms of the teacher, excuse me. And so this becomes very important for us as teachers to realize that we just don't regurgitate information, uh, but we're, we're establishing an opportunity for a child to see us as faithful, loving disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we don't, um, that really can have horrible consequences. Yeah, Marlon, I think we've become rather fixated on this idea, particularly um, since the Enlightenment, I think, that that faith kind of belongs in this religion box and Mm -hmm. it should not infringe upon any of the other subjects. That's Mm -hmm. a problematic perspective, right? Uh, it is a troubling one and a dangerous one. And really, even prior to the Age of Enlightenment, we've we've seen this progression. Once Christendom became normative, yeah. um, the, the unfortunate reality was, well, we don't necessarily have to defend it anymore. We just live it, per se. Mm-hmm. And this became the devastating effect uh, probably since after the 5th century. And we've seen this take on uh, or be morphed into a, a very, uh, very dangerous ideology where, you know what, well, you can, you can be that, you can be that religious person, that religious guy there, but not here. Or I, I can live this, this life of mine uh, in a certain way that, that is appealing to me, but not be impeded by something that, that God asks of me there. And so you, you see this interplay in Catholic schools. So it could be very dangerous. And really, um, there is a disassociation with anything divine. And ultimately, we become our own deistic selves. And, and that's how we view it in a very negative sense, even though we're created in the image and likeness of God. And we're called to proclaim our, our deistic um, uh, character because we come from our Lord, but that's completely now separated. Now we, we don't even associate with him. And the consequences are a, a child or a student or faculty and staff that um, really don't pray. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't f- focus on Christ himself as the centerpiece of everything that they do. And really, w- w- why bother? I'm a good person. I don't need that religious affiliation to tell me that I can be good. And so that becomes really the theology or the doctrine that seeps into a school situation. Well, I think the fact of the matter is that it it could just be hard for someone to to wrap his or her mind around how to do this 
Mm -hmm. in practice um i mean even if they're not necessarily opposed to the idea the, mm -hmm. you know like from a practical standpoint marlon how can a catholic worldview be incorporated into the subjects outside of religion class okay, that's a great question you know th there there is a, a simplicity of baptism that we tend to forget that allows us to to, to see good and avoid evil. And I think that's the practicality, first and foremost, is the fact that do you, do you see your fellow brother as, as a child of God? Is there an anthropology behind this? So the, practically speaking, shaking someone's hand, affirming their identity uh, as, uh, as a human being, affirming them as, as a child of God, uh, recognizing that, you know what, you can open a door for someone uh, or saying, you know what, I want to pray for you this morning. All right, may I? Um, is there something that's, that's really bothering you? Those initial entryways or practicalities of really bringing in our Lord into the atmosphere are really key. Having a prayer intention board outside your classroom, welcoming every student with eye focus and saying, thank you for being here. Uh, even having the imagery within the classroom where it's not necessarily a classroom or you're entering into another aspect of your journey and that the teacher is really invoking that through a life of a saint, a sacred space, something that brings in the reality of God into the, uh, the journey of faith in the classroom. Th those simple things are key. And students relate to that. I, I, I tell teachers all the time, the one of the things that students don't want to hear a teacher do is lie to them. Don't put on a false face, even though they will lie to us and they say they think that's perfectly fine. Don't lie to me. Give me some truth. And that's really where it starts. Yeah, I really like that. You talked about, you know, starting class in prayer, for instance, like that would be a nice way for a math teacher to do that or incorporate some of the more mathematical saints and priests mm -hmm. and absolutely, you know, who who have because that was the one that I was thinking, like, how do you bring Jesus yeah. into the map, into algebra? You know, like the one place where I really need Jesus actually is Amen. in algebra class. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> Good stuff. Go read Marlon's post on this over at knowingisdoing.org. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon, thank you so much and go Bucks. Appreciate it, Annie. Go Bucks. You can find all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Pope Francis is back in Rome today after a long weekend in Mongolia. The Holy Father paid his customary visit to pray in Thanksgiving before the icon of the Salus Papali Romani in the Basilica of St. Mary Major upon his return home yesterday. Before leaving Mongolia, the Pope inaugurated the House of Mercy in Ulaanbaatar. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo has more. On the 4th of September, marking his final day in Ulaanbaatar, Pope Francis stood before a gathering of charitable organizations and volunteers, expressing his gratitude for their warm welcome, which included traditional Mongolian song and dance. Pope Francis stressed how the House of Mercy is a tangible expression of the Church's care for others. Describing the House of Mercy as a place where all are welcome, Pope Francis encouraged volunteers to step forward and embrace the ethos of selfless service. He then went on to reject the myth that only the wealthy can engage in volunteer work. Reality tells us the opposite, he says. It is not necessary to be wealthy to do good. Rather, almost always, it is people of modest means who choose to devote their time, skills and generosity to caring for others. The Holy Father also emphasized that charity should not become a business. 
Charity demands professionalism, but charitable works should not turn into business, he said. Rather, they should retain their freshness as works of charity, where those in need can find people ready to listen to them with compassion, regardless of whatever pay they may receive. In closing, Pope Francis thanked all those involved in charitable works and extended his blessings to them. He urged everyone in their charity to pray for him too and called upon the citizens of Mongolia to embrace volunteer work and foster a culture of compassion for the common good. I'm Francesca Merlu. While on the flight back to Rome from Mongolia, the Pope answered a question from a journalist about his exhortation to Chinese Catholics to be good Christians and good citizens. While Mongolia borders China, Chinese bishops were not allowed to attend papal events. When asked about relations with China, the Holy Father said, quote, the relationship with China is very respectful. I personally have great admiration for the Chinese people. The channels are very open for the appointment of bishops. There is a commission that has been working with the Chinese government and the Vatican for a long time. There are many, or rather there are some, Catholic priests or Catholic intellectuals who are often invited to Chinese universities to offer courses, he said. I think we need to move forward in the religious aspect to understand each other better so that Chinese citizens do not think that the church does not accept their culture and values and that the church is dependent on another foreign power, end quote. In other news, a heat wave is expected to bring 100-degree temperatures to tens of millions this week. The eastern and central U.S. were sizzled over the holiday weekend, with some cities seeing record highs. It's likely to be between the lower and high 90s today in places like Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., New York City, and Chicago. Forecasters say the heat will ease in the Midwest by tomorrow and move into the southern plains and south later in the week. Russian President Vladimir Putin plans to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un this month. Brian Shook reports. That's according to multiple reports which cite U.S. and allied officials. According to the officials, the leaders will meet on the east coast of Russia to discuss the possibility of North Korea providing weapons for Russia's ongoing war with Ukraine. Last week, the White House said Putin and Kim Jong-un had exchanged letters and arms negotiations between the two countries were advancing. I'm Brian Shook. First Lady Jill Biden has tested positive for COVID-19. Her office confirmed the news yesterday, saying the 72-year-old is experiencing mild symptoms. She's expected to remain at their home in Delaware. Meantime, the White House says President Biden tested negative for the virus yesterday evening. He'll test, quote, at a regular cadence this week and monitor for symptoms. The president is scheduled to leave the U.S. on Thursday for the G20 summit in India, before heading to Vietnam. And the damage done to Death Valley by Tropical Storm Hillary may take years to repair. That's the opinion of experts who are surveying the area after a year's worth of rain fell in just a matter, matter of hours. That's the news. It's 35 minutes past the The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid. 
in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Birds have nests in trees, so also our hearts should each day choose some place, either on Mount Calvary or within our Lord's wounds, as a retreat where they can retire at various times to refresh during their exterior occupations. Blessed will be the soul that can truly say to our Lord, You are my place of strength and my stronghold to give me safety, my roof against the rain, my shade against the heat. It is deceiving oneself to long for martyrdom and yet be unwilling to suffer the slightest crosses of daily life as a Christian should. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Danielle Bean back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Connect with her, invite her to speak through her site, daniellebean.com. You can listen to her girlfriend's podcast through goodcatholic.com. And join the community at girlfriendscommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing great and excited to get to talk about Mother Teresa with you today. I mean, so much can be said about her love for the Lord, about her work for the poor. I mean, she's admired by Catholics and non-Catholics alike. She got the Nobel (laughs) Peace Prize. Yeah. And used her platform in that way to uphold the dignity of the human person from conception to natural death, to uphold the dignity of the family. I mean, mm-hmm. all of this, such an encouragement to those of us who are trying to raise a family, <laughs> don't you think? Absolutely. She's such a powerhouse, four foot tall, little powerhouse. <sighs> I mean, there's just, I'm amazed by her. And she's been such a gift to us, sort of a, a modern age saint, because, you know, I remember when she was living. And so what a beautiful gift to be able to pray to her in heaven now, especially in our motherhood. Yeah, so what do we learn about motherhood from a woman who was a consecrated virgin? Right. I mean, I think this is such a powerful example of the universality of the call to motherhood for women that, you know, we're all called to be mothers, as St. John Paul II taught us, but it, it expresses itself in so many different ways that are so beautiful and inspiring. And Mother Teresa's motherhood is such a powerful example of exactly that. She was a mother to so many souls. She was saving people on the streets of Calcutta. Every human person she met 
she loved with a motherly love. And there's such a powerful example for us in that. And then for those of us that are living out our call to motherhood in, you know, in our homes and in our families and raising children and in our marriages, we can pull so much from that because her daily life was so rigid and strict and difficult, purposely made difficult by her. I'll never forget that famous documentary that came out about her life years ago. I watched it when I was a teenager with my parents. And when they, they were building a home for her and the sisters, they were putting in a hot, you know, a water heater. And she was like, I don't need that. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, you don't need you hot don't water? Need what are you saying? Right. And that's just one tiny little example of the kind of life of sacrifice that she chose out of love for the Lord and wanting to love and serve others with that beautiful gift of her motherhood. Well, you know, one of her most famous quotes is talking about doing small things with great love. I mean, mm. and it gets quoted so often that it's almost trite. But, but if you sit back and think about it, especially in, well, not even think about it, reflect upon it in our hearts, hold it in our hearts as as mothers. I mean, this is this is what we are called to do on a daily basis. So often, I think we as mothers can kind of lament that we're not doing big, great things all the time. Mm -hmm. And yet Mother Teresa points out to us very simply that it's those small things in in serving those small little people that we have at home that that that's where it's at danielle exactly that's real a real success not by the world standards right like there's that other quote from her that and, and you know it's so funny because i always hesitate to quote mother Teresa because she's probably the most misquoted person on the internet right like <laughs> It's hard to find exactly what she said and how she said it. Um, but I think the, the, the crux of it, it, it holds true, right? Where she says that God doesn't call us to succeed. He calls us to be faithful. Mm -hmm. And that goes right along with what you said about doing small things with great love. Because we as, as mothers can look at what goes on in the world and the kinds of things the world applauds and the kinds of accomplishments that, you know, you might get acclamation for. And yet we're not called to that. That's not what God is calling us to do. He's calling on us to be faithful. It may or may not include some of those worldly accomplishments. And we're, we're called to be faithful beginning first and foremost in our own homes, in our families, in our marriages, and with our children. And that's not something the world ever sees. It's not something you're ever going to get a standing ovation for. No one's going to hand you a big paycheck for it. And we're called to do it anyway, that God sees that kind of faithfulness. We're, we're called to be faithful in that way, not successful in the eyes of the world. I mean, she is someone that even though she had all of those accolades, what was she always, I mean, you hear so many stories of people who met her and and how much she encouraged them in their own particular vocation to their family. What was it? Save the world. If you want to save the world, go home and love your family. Is yes. that another one of those quotes that it, I don't know <laughs> if it's misquoted or not, but it's true. It's helpful, too. Right. Yeah. Because I have felt so convicted by those words before. Like, whoops, I'm not doing that part. I'm forgetting to go home and, and you know, love my family right now. And that's the important work that we're called to do. Every one of us, not just mothers, but every person is called to in their personal relationships, in their in their homes and in their families and their marriages to be loving the people that God has placed in their lives first and foremost. And that's how you save the world is by raising up holy kids by you know nurturing a holy marriage 
those are the people that are going to be building up the church and ultimately, quote unquote, saving the world, which Jesus has already saved, right? But we're here to do his work and that is an important part of it. Yeah, and you and I talk a lot about this from the perspective of of being a woman, of being a wife or a mother, Um, but that is so true too. I, I think even, how should I put this, that it's even more of a clarion call for our fathers to go home and love their families. Oh, I hear that. I hear that. You know, our, our culture encourages people. And even in some parts of the church, I see this encouragement of like fathers as just a, a paycheck, right? Like that's right. the most valuable thing you can do for your family and absolutely isn't true. And so, you know, go home and love your family. Find a way to love your family first and foremost. Of course, we all have to pay bills and earn a living and you got to figure out some way to do that. But never forgetting the priority that the people that God has given you to love and care for are meant to be in your life. We've been talking to Danielle Bean. And Danielle, if uh, listeners want to connect with you, where would you send them? I would send them over to goodcatholic.com. We have lots of great plans in the works over there. But in the meantime, waiting for exciting things to come, um, we've got uh, great live events that are going on. So you can go over, click on live events and find out what the latest is going to be. All right. And that's where you also can find her girlfriend's podcast, goodcatholic.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Danielle, thanks so much. Thank you. God bless you. You too, Danielle. Thank you very much. And Matt, I know um, Mother Teresa, somebody that you were very well aware of. I mean, I, I started off the conversation with Danielle that she was admired by by Catholics and non-Catholics alike. I remember um, driving. So there's like the, the vineyard in Cincinnati, you know? Mm-hmm. And on the outside of that building is that quote about small things with great love from Mother Teresa on a vineyard building. So I have a complicated Mother Teresa backstory that there's too much to get into. I believe that. About yeah. here. I knew some evangelicals who'd gone and worked with her missions mm-hmm. as evangelicals. Hmm. Um, I also knew people who were like, yeah, Mother Teresa is kind of a weirdo. She thinks Mary should be added to the Trinity. <laughs> Mother Teresa was also kind of like um, the, uh, I don't know, like, you know, like you could call somebody a Mother Teresa if they were like a charitable person. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I didn't have any like reality to attach Mother Teresa mm-hmm. to. I do remember a Newsboys song. I think the lyrics were by Steve Taylor, a lyrical hero of mine. And uh, the song was called Real Good Thing. I, I can't remember. Actually, I can remember. Oh, wow. I can remember this off the top of my head. You should be really impressed, Andy. I am really impressed. So the, the chorus of it is, when we don't get what we deserve, it's a real good thing. When we do get what we deserve, I mean, we, I'm sorry, when we get what we don't deserve, it's a real good thing. So this idea of, like, works can do nothing mm-hmm. to help you. And uh, the line in that song, it says, Sell the Volvo, shred the Visa, send the cash to Ma Teresa. But out here, the only catch is you don't get saved on merit badges. I'm going to have to read those lines and think about them. So the idea being like, yeah, you can get rid of all your stuff and give your money to Mother Teresa, but it doesn't like actually help you in the faith alone world. Wow. So... Oh my gosh, I have so many we don't questions have time. based we on that. We don't have that. time for this. Yeah, you just like threw that out there 
and I can't respond. Well, you asked me with mother what I thought I about as a president about Mother Teresa. Yeah, so like, it's fine. We got you talk. walked into that one, Anna Mitchell. I'm sorry. Maybe we can discuss it more later. Maybe we'll so. Anyway, Dr. John Cutterback joins us next. It's 13 till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN podcasts are the perfect companion for busy Catholics everywhere. Your favorite EWTN programs are waiting for you to listen to on your time. With on-demand access to audio, you can pause and pick up right where you left off anytime, anywhere. Just subscribe by using your mobile device's free podcast app. Find old favorites or discover something new. EWTN podcasts, they're waiting for you. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Called to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Dr. John Cutterback. He's a philosophy professor at Christendom College. You can take his man or woman of the household course at his site, life-craft.org, and I'd encourage you to read his blog there as well. Dr. Cutterback, good morning. Good morning, Annie. So the season that is summer is going to end, whether we like it or not. Most usually consider Labor Day weekend as as summer's sort of last hurrah, right? And I know that you have written that you always find it hard to say goodbye to summer. Why is that? Yeah, you know, it's just... uh... In, in the rhythm of life today, I think we tend to do seasons a little differently than the kind of uh, more traditional way of doing seasons. And for us, you know, summer is that time where we spend more time with our with our family and get to do our kind of vacationing and traveling. And there's just so many things that are a, a real blessing that uh, you know that you kind of want to take with you. And and so that's certainly certainly part of it and it's like gosh you know, it's, it almost felt like a little bit more of a taste of a little bit more of a taste of heaven and what things are going to be like when you don't have to worry about this and that and so it, it, it brings up the deeper harder issues 
And you've got a post over at Lifecraft about ending summer intentionally. What does that mean? Well, you know, I, I think it's a matter of something we need to be doing all the time, looking, looking for a natural plan, looking for things that are saying, hey, here's how God has set this up. And even if it seems hard at first, what, what, what's the gift to us? And sh- clearly part of the kind of natural plan gift to us is that there are these different seasons. And even if we're not living the seasons in the most natural kind of traditional way that people normally would have done seasons, there still is that important aspect of how can we take this as an opportunity from God to say this transition might be hard, but it's something he's calling us to do. So let's just go ahead and ask the question, how to do this transition best? That's kind of what I mean by intentionally. And so what is the role of gratitude in all of that, Dr. Cutterback? Well, you know, I, I, I think gratitude is always something that the Lord is calling us to. Uh, it, it, not in the sense that he's forcing it upon us, but of course it's, it's so central to our relationship, Tim, because as St. John Paul II pointed out, it's, it's all about gift. And, and, and the first and most fundamental appropriate response to gift is gratitude. So it's always a great place to begin, I think especially when we're finding things hard. Well, let's look and see what actually can we be very grateful for here. Maybe as summer is is ending up. That's a, a particularly fitting thing because there there are so many things perhaps that we enjoy or gift, even if, even if it wasn't a perfect. So it's o- always great to begin with that as a kind of foundation for moving forward. Well, I mean, if we have it all the time, we often lose our our thoughts of gratitude for it. Right? We take it for granted. Right. Right. That's a very good point. So those kind of transit that brings on a nice aspect of somehow in God's plan, these transitions, these transitions are kind of brought upon us by the seasons. It, it helps us, maybe not absolutely makes us, but in case it encourages us to stop, take stop, take stock, look back with that gratitude. And then, of course, also start to plan and make resolutions for what comes next. What sort of wisdom do we gain from the ancients about the changing of seasons and how we can apply that to our lives? Well, you know, I think, I, I, I think the, the, the main thing there is simply what we've kind of already been saying of be attentive to this is actually something important in life. I, I love this quotation from Hesiod, the ancient Greek writer, who says, mortals find it hard to discover the divine plan in the change of seasons. Mm. But note, note what's kind of Im, Im, Im implied there. Again, there, there, there is a gift herein, but we're going to have to stop and kind of be intentional and find it. And there's so many things in Scripture, uh, too. I love the line in, in Ecclesiastes. You know, there's a, there's, a time, there's a time for everything. These seasons are part of the gift, so we need to start to just kind of open our eyes to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God certainly made the world this way with the changing of the seasons, and we see all over Scripture how nature can give us insight into our lives. I mean, Dr. Cutterback, I have to say um, I am not quite like you in this, that I often spend my summer longing for the fall. It's my favorite season. I mean, I love the temperature of the fall, the wardrobe that I get to wear to match that temperature. I love the colors of the season. I love the flavors of the season. I mean, I even loved going back to school when I was in my school days. So do you think the idea of having gratitude ahead of time 
um, for the things that are to come could be part of of ending summer intentionally. That's great. I, lo- I love it. I, 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 absolutely. Because if, if nothing else, the change brings out a kind of recognition of these different aspects of life. And so, you know, whether it's looking forward with uh, this, this great excitement, which is itself a kind of, then obviously it's going to more easily elicit a gratitude, or looking ahead with a little bit of uh, you know, anxiousness, or gosh, you know, here comes some hard work, you know, me being an academic, okay, got to really kind of ramp up and get back to the work, which, which is also which is also exciting. So that's why I also like to say these, another aspect that we haven't so much brought out is the opportunity to say, okay, how are we going to grow? What are we going to do new? I, I think this is as good a time as the new year to think in terms of resolutions. What, what, what are we going to do? Because many of us, even if not just academic, but many of us, of course, are associated with people who are going back to school. So it's, just, it's a change of schedule. It's a change of various aspects of life. How are we going to maximize this? What are we going to do different? How are we going to open our hearts to, to some type of good growth here? Speaking of good growth, I saw a video on your site that this is a good time of year to do a little bit of planting still. Is that right? You know, it, it, I mean, of course, it depends on where you are, but, but most of us, absolutely. You can still, you can still slip in, and, and with great success, uh, you know, kind of some of those of quick fall greens, a lot of lettuces, especially for the ones that don't take quite so long. You can do radishes again. So, I mean, I, I, I absolutely be thinking about one more shot in the garden. Nice. Thank you so much, Dr. John Cutterback. He's got a little video over at his site, life-craft.org, on uh, how to plant the fall greens like lettuce and the like. Lifecraft is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We got another coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. We continue on this Tuesday, the 5th of September. It is the Feast of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you created the heavens and the earth and all they contain. Reveal to all who seek you the beauty of your presence there. You dwell in light inaccessible. Deepen our hunger to know you, the one true God. You make manifest your redeeming love in word and sacrament. Make of us your people, a credible sign of your presence and work. O God of light and glory, you are the beauty we seek, the power to whom we entrust ourselves, the love for whom we hunger and thirst. Make yourself known to all people through Jesus Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mother Teresa, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on a Tuesday morning. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Kimberly Beggs got a new book called Unbreakable. We'll talk to her about that. We'll check in with Father Philip LeRae. He is going to uh, dig into the World Day of Peace message, which has something to do 
with artificial intelligence, and Father Philip Luray is a uh, sort of a church expert on such topics. Steve Ray will join us to talk about the Seven Sorrows of Mary, of course, uh, the month of September dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows, and then Chris McGregor will dive into the Office of Readings with us. Today we get to uh, talk about Thomas Akempis and some stuff from The Imitation of Christ. So, quite the range of topics this morning. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis is back in Rome today after spending a long weekend in Mongolia. The Holy Father paid his customary visit to pray in Thanksgiving before the icon of the Salus Papali Romani in the Basilica of St. Mary Major upon his return home yesterday. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov has more. He went there to offer his closeness to the small and lively community of Catholics, numbering less than 1,500 in the whole country. More than 90% of them live in the capital. It is such an intimate group that they were all more or less able to gather together at the events, including the first papal mass ever in the country, and even all together in one photo op with Pope Francis. Monday, the Pope's apostolic journey, marking his 43rd apostolic visit abroad and his 61st country visited as Pope, drew to an end. The final event of his visit to Mongolia was a stop at the House of Mercy, a church-run clinic for the poor and refuge for victims of domestic violence and homeless people. The Pope inaugurated and blessed the charitable work and expressed his gratitude to the Church in Mongolia for showing such great care and concern for people facing economic difficulty and marginalization. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Among the events over the weekend in Mongolia, the Holy Father led an interfaith meeting, sharing the stage with representatives from a dozen other faiths. He said it's incumbent on religious leaders to choose fraternity over fundamentalism. He said, quote, we are called to testify to the teachings we profess by the way we act. We must not contradict them and thus become a cause of scandal, end quote. Those joining Pope Francis on stage included representatives from the Russian Orthodox Church, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Shintoism, Mormonism, and Evangelicalism. Here in the United States, a heat wave is expected to bring 100-degree temperatures to tens of millions this week. The eastern and central U.S. were scorched over the holiday weekend, with some cities seeing record highs. It's likely to be between the lower 90s today the lower and high 90s today in places like Philadelphia, Washington, New York City, and Chicago. Forecasters say the heat will ease in the Midwest by tomorrow and move into the southern plains and south later in the week. In Washington, Congress is set to return today after its summer recess. Mark Mayfield has more. There are a number of issues on the agenda, including a potential government shutdown looming in the coming weeks. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell could address his health situation this week after another freezing moment. Last week, the 81-year-old suddenly stopped speaking at a press event in Kentucky where an aide had to step in. A similar freeze moment also happened back in July. I'm Mark Mayfield. Too much screen time is being linked to developmental delays in young children. 
Trey Thomas reports. That's according to a new study published in the journal JAMA Pediatrics. Researchers looked at data from 7,000 kids and found that two or more hours of screen time increased the likelihood of developmental delays, especially in problem solving and communication. I'm Trey Thomas. And the arm of St. Jude will leave Italy for the first time and be on display for veneration in the U.S. beginning this weekend. The 100-city tour is called Apostle of the Impossible, the tour of the relics of St. Jude the Apostle. The first stop will be Saturday at St. John Cantius Church in Chicago. The tour was announced by the Apostolate Treasures of the Church. How cool. The Arm of St. Jude. The Arm of St. Jude. Wow. That's pretty wild. I know. Does it have the, how much of the arm? I don't know. Like, are we talking like forearm? Let me see. Or up to like upper arm? I'm going to look up St. John Cantius in Chicago and see if they have are we a talking link like in here. The ball and socket up through the shoulder? Major relic of St. Jude. By the way, Jude. Oh, it looks like... Um, you don't have to carry the world upon those it shoulders. It looks like a bit of his forearm. It's in this interesting reliquary interesting. where it like looks like kind of a sleeve with um, a hand in... Like, his hand is formed in blessing, you know, the three fingers. Sure. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, so it that looks would be like, pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, it looks like part of his forearm. Like, from his elbow up to his wrist is the relic encased in what looks like a statue of an arm. Well, that is pretty awesome. Yeah. Might have to make a trip to go Chicago. see the of St. Jude. Well, I'm trying Chicago. to see if there's... Oh, yeah, there is a website here, treasuresofthechurch.com. You got to put that on Facebook. Okay. And we'll see. I'm sure they have a some sort of, you know, listing of all of the different churches that will be... On the St. Jude's arm tour. I like that. I like it a lot. Well, today is Tuesday, September the 5th. Happy to have you along with us after a long weekend here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 8 past. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Kimberly Beggs. She's got a new book from Tan Books, Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. First of all, can you just tell us what you set out to do in writing this book? (laughs) I set out to help parents raise saints. Hmm. We are living in a time of great confusion in our world, where even a lot of Catholics just don't know who they are and why they're made, that they were children of God, meant to go out in the world and to live courageously for Christ. And as a result, we're seeing a lot of Catholics and even parents trying to find a way around the cross for themselves and the children. But this idea that our path to heaven can ever be free of suffering and sacrifice has no grounding in a sacred scripture or the traditions of the Church, and one of the greatest traditions of the Church is passing on the lives of the saints. So I sought to tell the stories of some of the most courageous Uh, heroes of the church and the stories of those heroes who inspired them. Yeah, so you've got St. Joan of Arc, who was inspired by St. Michael the Archangel, St. Margaret of Antioch, St. Catherine of Alexandria, among others, St. 
Jose um, Jose Sanchez del Rio, who was inspired by Our Lady of Guadalupe and St. Juan Diego, St. Tarchesius. I cannot wait to talk to you about that story someday. Uh, Blessed Jersey, Papalusco, and uh, how he was inspired by St. Maximilian Kolbe and Cardinal Vizinski and, and Pope John Paul II. And then I want to talk to you today about St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, because her feast day is September 5th. And I'm sure she was inspired by many saints, Kimberly, but the one whom you've chosen to highlight in the book is the inspiration of, of St. Therese. How did Mother Teresa live the little way of St. Therese? Well, um, in so many different ways. You know, for one thing, like St. Therese of Lisieux, she made a vow to Christ to deny him nothing in the world. And so when she felt called to leave the safety of her Loretto order, and she loved her work, she loved the sisters that she worked with, and to live among the poorest of the poor while serving the poorest of the poor, she knew that she could not say no. And then through her ministry and through her wonderful humanitarian work, which made her a celebrity out there in the world, she again felt called to minister to the poorest of the poor, whom she considered in our modern society to be the poor, defenseless babies in their mother's womb, um, vulnerable to the evil of abortion. And she considered, by the way, not only just the babies in their mother's womb to be the poorest of the poor, but those nations and those individuals who supported the evil of abortion. So she spent the last decades of her life being a just a courageous, wonderful, beautiful advocate for life. Yeah, and she did it in such a beautiful way in in literally serving the poorest of the poor in in India and and inspiring, you know, hundreds of other women to to join the missionaries of charity that she founded in in helping those who were as Pope Francis likes to to talk about all the time on the literal margins of society and and people often quote her um, even non-catholics so inspired by this idea of small things with great love and of course that is straight out of the handbook of saint therese isn't it yes it is yes it is and they both recognize the reality of the spiritual world so Mother Teresa, you know, ministered to people and because of their, 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 their physical weaknesses. And she gave them food and drink and shelter and medicine. And at the same time, she ministered to them spiritually. And again, this was something that was so important to St. Therese. She actually has this beautiful comment in Story of a Soul, where she says, There are many souls on the brink of hell. The time has never come when I could say, Now I will work for myself. Mm -hmm. And you can just see this when time and time again, Mother Teresa was given a platform, and she took that platform to say what she felt like the Western world needed to hear most which is that there is a reality that is greater than what we can see and that we need to be working for our own salvation and the salvation of, of the souls that occupy this earth with us. Well, something that I learned from your book, Kimberly, you know, many listeners probably know that, that written on a wall in every chapel of the missionaries of charity around the world are the words, 
I thirst, one of the words of, uh, or one of the last words of Christ on the cross. And this is actually a, a concept that was so important to St. Therese as well. Yes, yes, it was. Um, and actually, I learned this during my research, too. You know, I think like a lot of us, I felt like I knew St. Therese of Lisieux, and I felt like I knew Mother Teresa yeah. before writing this book. But, you know, reading Story of a Soul over and over and over again, the way, by the way, that I believe Mother Teresa did throughout her life, because you can just see so much evidence of St. Therese's spirituality in the way that Mother Teresa lived her life, I believe it is one of the greatest gifts that we have as Catholics to have these beautiful words. Yes, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux wanted to quench Christ's thirst, and this was a a concept that um, she began thinking of actually very, very young, um, as early as when she received her her first Holy Communion, which she considered to be the greatest, happiest, most joyful day of her life. There's a quote in the book that you have um, that that St. Therese says, From that day, the, the cry of my dying Savior, I thirst, sounded incessantly in my heart and kindled therein a burning zeal hitherto unknown to me. My one desire was to give my beloved to drink. I felt myself consumed with thirst for souls, and I longed at any cost to snatch sinners from the everlasting flames of hell. Kimberly, what do you hope? You you say that this is 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 a book to help parents inspire their children to be saints. How do you hope that the stories of Mother Teresa and Saint Therese linked together can inspire our children? I hope that parents will keep this um, as a part of their home library so that children can 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 physically hold the book can flip through it, um, can reread some of the most inspiring parts of St. Therese's life, of Mother Teresa's life, and then when they go out in the world, you know, be able to make those connections, that they become, so that these stories become a part of their imagination, and they are as real as their own experiences in the world, so that they can liken their own modern challenges to the challenges that these great saints had in their lives and that it can inspire them to live courageously for Christ because we all need courage to live for Christ today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kimberly Begg. You can find her book, Unbreakable Linked, at sunrisemorningshow.com. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. The upper Midwest has some severe thunderstorm potential today, particularly in southern Minnesota, northern Iowa, and western Wisconsin. Strong thunderstorms are also possible with the same cold front in the mid-Mississippi to lower Missouri valleys. Areas affected by the cold front this afternoon will initially feel hot with temperatures expected to climb into the 80s and low 90s. And after the cold front comes through, expect a dramatic cool down. Nice. Otherwise, areas of high pressure will settle into the rest of the U.S. Unseasonably hot temperatures will be the case once again in the mid-Atlantic and northeast with some possibly breaking some monthly records. Dry weather will also be at play in the southeast with temperatures also climbing up into the 90s. 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Stay with us. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. 
Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the Church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis is now back in Rome after spending his long weekend in Mongolia. While on the flight back to Rome, the Holy Father answered a question from a journalist about his exhortation to Chinese Catholics to be good Christians and good citizens. And a heat wave is expected to bring 100 degree temperatures to tens of millions this week. So Anna Mitchell, I talked about my weekend at Appaloosa Fest. Yeah. Outside Front Royal. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Went to Mass outside. Cool. It was pretty great. Yeah. And uh, I didn't get to hear about what you did. I didn't really do anything. I hung out at my parents' house. It was nice. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean. Did you get sleep? Because I didn't. No. Are you kidding me? Of course. Every day that I would have off, my children would wake me up. I mean, it. In the grand scheme of things, yeah, I got a little more sleep than I normally would. I mean, I mm. wake up at 3.45 in the morning, so, like, I sleep in until 6.30, and that's still almost three extra hours of sleep. So, yep. I don't know why I'm complaining. But I was hoping to sleep in until at least, until like, like, 11 a.m. 8, 9, 10, but, of course. I was thinking about this over the weekend. You know, I know people, like yourself, Anna Mitchell, <laughs> who go to, like, the 11 a.m. mass on Sunday. Oh, I go to noon. a 1 o'clock the mass. The noon mass, or, like, a 1, 1 p.m. Yeah. I'm like... That's like a Monday vigil mass. Anything <laughs> after like 11 a.m. on a Sunday. Me, hey. Sunday morning, I wake up 4.30 like I normally do, 4 o'clock, sometimes 3.45, no, depending on how my body's lying with my alarm. Me. And I'm like, all right, we got any 5 a.m. masses rolling nope. today? Not Let's me. go. Not me. Start like this day relax. a better way. It's 21 past. Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. 
and your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. A meditation from St. Augustine's Confessions. Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside, and it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness I plunged into the lovely things which you created. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you, yet if they had not been in you, they would have been not at all. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you, now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence. Father Philip Loray now joins us, and he is with Humanity 2.0. He joins us from Rome. Good morning, Father. How are you? Good morning, Matt. Doing great. So we talk all the time on this radio show about the family as the basic unit of civilization, the domestic church, all these kinds of things, and lament you know, declining population rates in the developing world. But now there's a new AI app that is allowing people to see what their potential children could look like and there are, I guess you could say, good and bad things about this. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you could, share a little bit about it. This new app is an uh, application of an AI which has been used in Facebook uh, for a, a couple of years now to keep somehow keep dead people alive in the sense it will take all of their digital information and then it will extrapolate that through the AI and enable you to converse with a person who has passed away. Uh, it's also, I think, at the base of deep fakes. Deep fakes are uh, videos which are completely uh, unreal, but they look and and they uh, and they, they they hear as if it was the real person. Um, a couple of months ago, there was a <clears throat> um, artificial intelligence image of Pope Francis with a large parka coat. Uh, that that hit that became viral and a lot of people were looking of course it was completely false that but it looked just like pope francis so what the application is doing is uh, taking information that you give it and extrapolating up, uh, upon that to give you what your future child may look like and so um it's fake but it has actually fooled a lot of people and uh well or fooled i mean they know that it's it, 
they know it's not real, but it seems to be real. And there's even one uh, woman quoted in the article where she says she really wanted to be a mother after using the app. So, you know, I think there are good things to it. Uh, They're interacting in in, in intimate ways with human beings, uh, but we have to be careful because it's false. And so it's, it could give us false expectations. Right. And uh, this is one of those areas where the church is actually a few steps ahead in, in, in having thought through some of these things and being able to, to be a little bit more flexible in the conversation because we want people to not think of the idea of having children and just think about, well, it's going to cost this much money, <laughs> right? Or it's going to you know, cause this many sleepless nights or it's going to have this effect on my continuing education if I have children, all right? Or it might have this effect even on my... Uh, my body, or, or or all these things that you know people tend to think about when they think about kids. You know, I know people who they see one kid acting up in a restaurant, and they're like, "That's why I'm never having kids." Yeah, in the parish, I accompany a lot of uh, uh, young adults that become parents, and most Italians wait uh, longer than than you would expect, and for many of the reasons you just gave. But not one couple has told me uh, uh, that we were glad we waited. All when they when the baby arrives, they all say to me, "Why did we wait so long? This is the happiest thing that ever happened to us." Sure, it's a life changer, uh, but the uh, what they what they don't understand is the actual reality of a new baby, and especially fathers when they hold that baby in their arms for the first time. I mean, they just they lose it. It's and, and so I I continue to try to motivate my couples to say, don't wait, you know, uh, having a child is going to be one of the most important things that you do for your family. Well, I know people who say, we're going to wait till we have enough money to have a child. I'm like, you will never have enough money. No, <laughs> <laughs> you will never have it. It's not going to work. Uh, but the, the, the flip side of this, I want to get into the, the ethical kind of minefield that, that this can bring us into is because Family life and child rearing and child bearing is like a messy process, and you may be able to do this as a way of saying, "Oh, maybe I should think about having kids and holding someone who is like, you know, a little bit like me, but also their own person and all that, you know, the the mystery that entails." Uh, but this kind of, you know, you can see approaching this app with the wrong mentality and getting into kind of like a designer children mentality and saying, I want a yeah. child that's beautiful. I want a child that's this. And, and we know how often in the developing world, especially, or I'm sorry, in the, in the, you know, kind of first world, as it were, people will, you know, go and seek abortions for like the tiniest imperfections, uh, you know, that, that show up on an ultrasound. And so there's a real danger here as well, right? Yeah, but again, Matt, you know me. I, I don't. I don't blame the technology. I. I, I right. think There are other issues at, at heart, uh, but we've been struggling with the concept of de- designer babies uh, for a long time since um, the advent of IVF, right? And 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 so we we have you know, and and Cardinal Ratzinger wrote that uh, great. Uh, I don't know what to call it, it, it a magisterium document called Donum Vitae. Uh, in, in 1990, where he talks about a lot of these technologies, and that still, even though it's was 30 years ago, it's still a valid document today in terms of the theology behind it. So we we have to accept the uh, the children that God gives us, you know, um, and and I think that there, as the technology gets better, there is going to be the temptation of of 
you know, designing exactly how we want our children. Uh, but we need to have faith in God and and in and in nature, so to speak, and accept the gifts that uh, He gives us. Well, thanks so much, Father Philip Loray, and you can find him at sunrisemorningshow.com on our guest list. Guest list, by the way, mostly just means the guests that we have on the air. You're on the guest list in terms of like being part of the part of the scene this morning. But if you want to get the email that goes out every morning, first thing that has the list of who's going to be on the show, usually has an opening prayer as well. Sometimes it has recipes from Rita Heikenfeld. Who knows what's going to be in that thing? Well, you will know what's going to be in that thing if you go to sunrisemorningshow.com and enter your email address. We'd love to keep in touch with you that way, and then you can wake up and, and figure out uh, who you're going to hear that morning. sunrisemorningshow.com, enter your email. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. Pope Francis is back in Rome today after a long weekend in Mongolia. The Holy Father paid his customary visit to pray before the icon of the Salus Populi Romani in Thanksgiving for the trip at the Basilica of St. Mary Major upon his return. Before leaving Mongolia, the Holy Father inaugurated the House of Mercy in Ulaanbaatar. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo has more. On the 4th of September, marking his final day in Ulaanbaatar, Pope Francis stood before a gathering of charitable organizations and volunteers, expressing his gratitude for their warm welcome, which included traditional Mongolian song and dance. Pope Francis stressed how the House of Mercy is a tangible expression of the Church's care for others. Describing the House of Mercy as a place where all are welcome, Pope Francis encouraged volunteers to step forward and embrace the ethos of selfless service. He then went on to reject the myth that only the wealthy can engage in volunteer work. Reality tells us the opposite, he says. It is not necessary to be wealthy to do good. Rather, almost always, it is people of modest means who choose to devote their time, skills and generosity to caring for others. The Holy Father also emphasized that charity should not become a business. Charity demands professionalism, but charitable works should not turn into business, he said. Rather, they should retain their freshness as works of charity, where those in need can find people ready to listen to them with compassion, regardless of whatever pay they may receive. In closing, Pope Francis thanked all those involved in charitable works and extended his blessings to them. He urged everyone in their charity to pray for him too and called upon the citizens of Mongolia to embrace volunteer work and foster a culture of compassion for the common good. I'm Francesca Merlu. While on the flight back to Rome from Mongolia, the Pope answered a question from a journalist about his exhortation to Chinese Catholics this weekend to be good Christians and good citizens. While Mongolia borders China, Chinese bishops were not allowed to attend papal events. When asked about relations with China, the Holy Father said, quote, The relationship with China is very respectful. I personally have great admiration for the Chinese people. The channels are very open for the appointment of bishops. There is a commission that has been working with the Chinese government and the Vatican for a long time. He said, then there are many, or rather there are some, Catholic priests or Catholic intellectuals who are often invited to Chinese universities to offer courses. I think we need to move forward, he said, in the religious aspect to understand each other better. And so the Chinese citizens do not think that the church does not accept their culture and values and that the church is dependent on another foreign power, end quote. 
Russian President Vladimir Putin plans to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un this month. Brian Shook reports. That's according to multiple reports which cite U.S. and allied officials. According to the officials, the leaders will meet on the east coast of Russia to discuss the possibility of North Korea providing weapons for Russia's ongoing war with Ukraine. Last week, the White House said Putin and Kim Jong-un had exchanged letters and arms negotiations between the two countries were advancing. I'm Brian Shook. A heat wave is expected to bring 100-degree temperatures to tens of millions this week. The eastern and central U.S. were sizzled over the holiday weekend, with some cities seeing record highs. It's likely to be between the lower and high 90s today in places like Philadelphia, Washington, New York City, and Chicago. Forecasters say the heat will ease in the Midwest by tomorrow and move into the southern plains and the south later this week. The wildfire that ravaged Maui, devastating the historic town of Lahaina and killing at least 115 people, is fully contained after nearly a month. The final total is an estimated 2,170 acres of land burned. As of Friday, 385 people remained unaccounted for. Officials say a new list of the missing will be released every Friday. And about 30,000 people are believed to still be at the Burning Man Festival in the Nevada desert. Traffic finally started to pour out of the event after heavy rains flooded the area, turning it into a mud pit and leaving thousands trapped at the essentially pagan festival over the holiday weekend. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, What words should we always keep in mind? We should always keep in mind these words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his own soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father and his angels, and then he will render to every man according to his works. What indeed can I trade for something infinite? Can I trade even the world for my soul? No. My soul then is something that is given to me as a gift, to be cultivated just as a gardener cultivates his plants and trees, so that in eternity I might bear fruit for the living God. What a beautiful thought it is then that Jesus has given me this soul to prepare to see him when he comes with the glory of his Father and all of the angels. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. I have tried to keep the faith until death, to be with you now and forever. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. 
Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. And September is the month of Our Lady of Sorrows. And some people might say, well, that's another one of those weird Catholic devotions that comes from outside the Bible. Actually, this one, the whole thing comes from the Bible, Steve, doesn't it? It certainly does. And I, I didn't want this morning to talk about the devotion itself, but about the seven sorrows that make up the devotion. And all of them are very biblical. And um, three of them, the first three deal with the beginning of Jesus's life, his infancy up to 12 years old. And the last four deal with the last few days of his life and his crucifixion and burial. So yes, it, it's um, these are very biblical. It's a wonderful devotion. Because you often think that if you're going to live for Christ and you're going to follow God, life is going to be full of joy and happiness. And oh my goodness, everything is going to be wonderful. But it also comes with sorrows. So just real quickly, there are seven traditional sorrows. But over the next three weeks after this, we're going to cover what I call the 12 unknown sorrows of Mary, which I've come up with just in reading scripture and meditating on it and walking through the land of Israel where they lived, where Mary lived. I've come up with 12 unknown sorrows of Mary and um, people find them very interesting. So we'll cover those over the next three weeks during well, September. Well, I'm glad that you you brought up those ideas of the hidden sorrows of Mary, because uh, the ones that we'll see are pretty obvious. And actually, a fair amount of our listeners can probably relate to them on some level at an uh, or another even if they haven't experienced exactly the same sorts of things but you know the the idea of the hidden sorrows i'm sure that janet has kids who have caused her more than seven heartaches <laughs> you know every parent can sort of relate to that those hidden things but but which ones do we find in scripture well the first one here is called the it's the prophecy of Simeon and wrapped up in that also is the circumcision because this is the beginning of of the life of Christ. So here we see Mary. Imagine the 15-year-old girl. She's just a young girl with this pudgy little baby. That's her brand new baby she's so proud of. And she and she knows it's a special baby. And she goes to the temple to present Jesus to the temple according to the law on the 40th day. On 40, the 40th day, she had to take him to the temple to present him. And this old wizened prophet comes up. Just imagine a white beard wagging as he comes up. And he says, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your soul also. Mm. Yeah, what in that's... the world is that? Yeah. Here's a well, what, we find girl out, their... right? You know, but yeah, we find being out in that, that moment that... before it's all unfolded. Exactly. Now, one of the things is a lot of people think Mary knew everything because she's the mother of God and she's the Blessed Virgin, but she didn't know. It says she pondered these things. She meditated them on her heart. She she didn't know what that meant. I don't think she had any clue what that meant. And But she found out later at the cross, and that's where the sword of Pierce saw, and at the top of Calvary, and I'll be there next week because we're going for the month of, of all the month of September will be in Israel, but there's a, a statue of Mary up at Calvary with she just has a haunting face behind glass and there's a big sword going right into her chest. So that's the first sin. Uh, also wrapped in there, though, is the circumcision of Christ, because that's the first time that Jesus shed his blood for us. People don't think about that, but that's a painful operation. It's the first time he shed his blood for us. And it was ominous in a way, both of these things, the circumcision coming that there's going to be more blood shed later and Mary hearing this prophecy. So that's number one. The second one is the flight into Egypt. 
And people say, oh, well, you know, they just jumped a bus and went to Egypt. But that's not the case. The angel of the Lord said, quick, quick, Joseph, get up, take the family and flee to Egypt for Herod's trying to kill the child. First of all, you think, well, this is this is God's son. He's going to take care of him. There's not going to be any dangers. Oh, yes. Even in the middle of the night, go quick, quick. Herod's going to kill the child, destroy him. And that, how far did they go to Egypt? Well, I've done that many times, driven from Israel to Egypt and back. And it's about 250 miles if you go along the water, the Mediterranean, but you can't drink that water. That's salty water. So if you, the average that you traveled in a day back then was 20 miles in a day, they would have had to join a caravan for safety and for supplies and so on. That would have been a 10 days minimum from sunup to sundown trekking through that wilderness. So that was definitely one of the sorrows of Mary, leaving home, leaving her homeland and going to visit. They were Jews. They weren't in exile. They weren't uh, immigrants or anything. These were, this was part of the Roman Empire and there was Jewish community there, but it was still a sorrow for Mary to have to do that. You know, and it's one of those things that, you know, I think of this, the Holy Family and this sorrow all the time with families displaced by war and crushing poverty and famine, yeah. even to the present day. And, you know, even in our own country, I think back to some of my own ancestors from Appalachia who heard that there were jobs up in Detroit, right? And so they left everything. And yeah. then jobs went away in Detroit and they went back yeah. to the other, you know, back to Appalachia. So, I mean, this is something that I think, again, so many families can, can, can relate to. Yep. Um, exactly. How about the third sorrow? Well, the third sorrow is losing Jesus, the loss of Jesus in the temple. So we see this as a sorrow of Mary, but in the in the rosary, we find it as one of the joyful mysteries when they finally find him again. So this is the interesting thing that many of Mary's sorrows are also her joys, and some of her joys are also her sorrows, as we'll see when we go through the next few weeks. But the loss of the, of the child Jesus, see, they traveled in a caravan, and it says that they were going and came together in the evening, and when Mary and Joseph came together, which means that the men and women, they travel separately in groups. And in the evening, the men and the husbands and wives would come back together, and Joseph said, where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. Mary says, no, I thought he was with you. Oh, my goodness, we've lost the Son of God. And they have to turn around and go back and look for him without any clue. And here's one of the indications of what Mary did and did not know. She said, we've been, why were, he says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I'd be here? But his mother said, son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And they did not understand Jesus's response. But she spoke, she kept these things in her heart. So can you imagine, we have even a grandchild. If you are in a grocery store and you can't spot that grandchild for two minutes, it's a terrifying feeling, especially the way the world is today. And can you imagine they're a whole day gone and they realize Jesus, their 12-year-old son, is not in the crowd. That would be a great sorrow and anxiety in that case as well. Yeah, it's... uh. I mean, of all the sorrows of Mary, that's the one I think every parent can absolutely relate to, of turning around and being like, uh-oh, where'd it go? Where, where did my child go? All right, and then you just sort of yeah. extrapolate that through. Now, the last four sorrows of Mary, it may be tempting for people to just kind of group as one big sorrow, but uh, when they're really stretched out um, the way that this devotion stretches them out and makes us sort of focus on each one individually— I mean, you really do sort of feel kind of a unique sorrow in each one of them. But uh, if you could kind of, uh, you know, summarize, sort of put them all together and summarize them. Yeah. Yes, this is the whole passion. This this takes place here in in one day. 
And so Mary, that one day there's packed in four sorrows. She meets him on the road to Calvary. Now, the Bible never says that she specifically met him on the road to Calvary, but Luke 23, 27, following him was a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning him and lamenting him. Don't think that Mary wasn't there because when she, when the cross is actually, he's on the cross, Mary is there. She had to get there. She, these were women from Galilee, mostly. And so Mary would have been with these women from Galilee who she was already friends with and so and so can you imagine following Jesus through the streets with people uh, yelling and chanting and throwing tomatoes at him, so to speak? And um, he's, she knows what's going to happen because crucifixion was something that happened every day in Jerusalem and in Rome. And the fifth sorrow then is she sees him at the cross. And we know from John 19.25 that she was standing at the foot of the cross with with uh, John and Jesus looks down and knowing that Mary has no other sons gives her into the hands of John to be his uh, to, so she would be his mother and John would be her son in a sense a substitute son to take care of his mother so on the cross Jesus is concerned for the welfare of his mother but can you imagine Mary witnessing him he's totally naked on the cross just be stripped naked abused insults total and she knows his innocence she knows the crime that this actually is and there's a saying that there's no sorrow more than to see your child die before you do and yeah. here she watches her son be tortured and killed. Um, and then the sixth one, we we'll get real quick, is the piercing of the side of Jesus. And then Mary receives him and he comes down and Mary's there. You know, don't think she wouldn't have embraced him when his body came down from the cross. And, the, and then the seventh sorrow is she sees his body getting already cold and damp. And it's a corpse. And she watches them place him into the tomb and seal the tomb. Now, does Mary know everything that's going to happen? I don't know. It doesn't say. We know that Mary did not know a lot of things that were going to happen. Whether she knew this or not, I don't know. I think Mary knew probably or had uh, indications of what was going to happen. But to watch her son be placed into that cold tomb in the stone, that had to be a moment of great sorrow. Well, there are a lot of people that knew sort of in the abstract general sense what was going to happen because jesus told them but what that actually meant everybody was about to find out a couple of days yes, later exactly so, well steve i look forward to uh, discussing the hidden sorrows of mary the unknown sorrows of mary but we've got catholicconvert.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com encourage our people to go over there and say hello to you have a wonderful day thanks matt same to you all right thomas akempis is coming up next well actually not thomas chris mcgregor is going to talk about thomas akempis Coming up after the break, it's 13 till. Laura Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Combonius and inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. 
Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. St. Augustine gives us tremendous insight as to why we should pray. He says this, Why God should ask us to pray when he knows what we need even before we ask him may perplex us if we do not realize that our Lord and God does not want to know what we want, for as God, he cannot fail to already know it. But rather, he wants us to exercise our desire through our prayers so that we may be able to receive what he is preparing to give us. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 10 till. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am doing just fine. Always happy to talk to you. And our selection this week from the Office of Readings is for Tuesday of the 22nd week in Ordinary Time, taken from The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. Not uh, super often that we hear from non-saints in the Office of Readings, but this is a rather important work that we have in the church, is it not? Oh my goodness. The Imitation of Christ is probably after the Bible and uh, probably is almost tied with Introduction to the Devout Life by Francis de Sales mm. as one of the most often read uh, great de Christian devotional books in Christendom, uh, throughout the world actually, because it uh, originally written in the 1400s, it had such profound thoughts, such profound instruction that it would be handwritten out and and made sure passages were read in monasteries and everything else until the printing press, and then it just exploded. Yeah. So it's a very important work, and even the church today in the Office of Readings feels it's something that needs to be reflected on. Yeah, so let's dive into this part of his work that, that we read in the Office of Readings. Uh, give us an overview of this passage. Well, one thing that we have to remember about the imitation of Christ, because when you read this, this sounds really um, uh, crushing in some yes. ways. <laughs> I, was say, <laughs> okay. I think I wrote to you in an email like, wow, this is quite a passage. It is. And, you know, as odd as it may sound, it is on this, the Feast of St. Teresa of Calcutta. This is actually kind of apropos in, in a way, because when you read this section, it's in the imitation of Christ, it's divided into a couple different sections within the book, where one is the perspective of the soul. Mm. The other is the perspective of Christ responding to what the soul is saying. All right. Okay. So in this particular passage, the soul is saying, and, and well, I'll just read it. You thunder your judgments upon me, O Lord. You shake all my bones with fear and dread, and my soul becomes severely frightened. I'm bewildered when I realize that even the heavens are not pure in your sight. So when he, and he goes on to talk about when the angels 
uh, when you discovered the iniquity of the angels and did not spare them, what will become of me? They fell from the, the heavens. Okay, now that's the soul from its perspective seeing things. And yet we know that with the angels falling from heaven, it was ultimately because of pride. Hmm. It was a spiritual pride where they said, we will not serve. We're not, we, the, the great God of love who wants to share his creation now with man, and they said, we will not serve that. And they turned their back on the Lord. They turned their back on God. And so this, this whole section ultimately is about the awareness of the soul and you know, that I am nothing. I am so little compared to God. Because the thing that bolsters us up and gets in the way, what Thomas Akempis is trying to really break open here, is the, what happens with our pride. And, the, and it's like, hey, soul, wake up. You are not so grand, so glorious mm -hmm. as God is. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And I was hoping you could address this, the difference between Thomas Akempis's view of our our soul, like our littleness, as as you were just saying, I mean, he says, what is all flesh in your sight? Can the clay be glorified in opposition to its maker? How can anyone be stirred by empty talk if his heart is subject in the truth to God? I mean, what what a compass has here, and I'm hoping you can expand on this, is is true humility as opposed to uh, sort of the Protestant perspective on the human soul as being like inherently depraved. Well, doesn't it all go back? I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me. Yeah. You know, only your will, Father. I mean, what he's what he's saying here is that if a man, I will just go on, if a man is subject to truth, possession of the whole world cannot swell him with pride, mm -hmm. nor will he be swayed by the flattery of his admirers if he has established all his trust in God. You have to become completely empty and realize, like Mother Teresa, that I'm nothing. You know, some people would say that, oh, she, what's wrong with her psychologically? She's saying she's nothing. Of course you're something. No, she would say, I am nothing. I am, if I'm anything, it's a vessel for Christ. I'm a vessel for the Lord to do his will. And that's what, you know, in this closing passage, he says, for those who do nothing but talk amount to nothing. They fail with their din of words, but the truth of the Lord endures forever. That truth, that truth of God's presence in us and how we are called to go out in the world and how he animates us, we actually become more. We become, he lifts us up because we're willing to, we get out of the way, our yes. pride and all that stuff, right? What is it, Galatians? Oh, I'm not going to remember the chapter and verse, but, you know, I, I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. This is exactly what, what we're getting at here. Absolutely. 220. Thank you. Chapter 2, I verse 20. I knew I could yep. count on you. Galatians <laughs> well, <that's>, 220. <laughs> hey, you knew it. That's the most important thing. Oh, man. One of these days, though, I'll have it all right there in my head. But Oh, you got it in your heart, honey. You know, that, that the head, as long as it's in your heart, that's what matters. You are so kind. We've been talking to Chris McGregor. And uh, go read this passage in the Office of Readings and go check out her site, discerninghearts.com. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, thank you so much. Uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta. Pray for us. Pray.
Pray for us. Amen. Well, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for joining us. We'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow, EWTN. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.